Welcome to the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow Podcast. I'm Sandra M. coming to you from Santa Fe, New Mexico, the land of enchantment. I interview people from all parts of the world about what happiness means to them. What are they in love with? In each episode, we'll give you a key to happiness to include in your life. And of course, we'll play a happy tune from my live Celebrate Happiness Roadshow. A smile doesn't cost you anything. Alex Lipton grew up in Mayapak, New York, where he developed a passion for cinema and telling stories. Movies and the filmmaking process became fundamental in Alex's understanding of spirituality And at an early age, Alex was aware that reality and life itself has a behind-the-scenes world. Later, he moved to California and graduated from the film school in Los Angeles, Columbia College, Hollywood, with a BFA in directing, cinema, and TV production. Growing up with the guidance of his uncle, Dr. Bruce Lipton, Alex was taught with the understanding of how our perception controls our biology and that health and wellness is greatly influenced by our consciousness. He is guided by synchronicity and holds the subjects of ancient civilizations and lost worlds very close to his heart and spends his life helping others discover the wonders of the unknown. Welcome, Alex. I'm so excited to talk with you about happiness. Hey, Sandra, I am so happy and honored to be here with you and also very, very excited to uh, talk with you about happiness and share a wonderful conversation. So thanks for having me. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm going to start off with this question I ask everybody. Uh, Okay, it could be what makes you happy or what is your happiness story or what are your thoughts about happiness? You can choose one of those or do all three of them. That uh, those are uh, wonderful questions, and I I really think about that a lot. Anytime something in the world, which oftentimes a lot of the stresses of the world are outside of our control, I always am redirected back to the subject matter you brought up here about happiness and what is happiness to me. How how can I find a better sense of happiness in my life? Uh, happiness to me is the state of joy that comes from living in harmony and purpose with my passion for life. So it's really mm. the, the, the way, yeah, the way that I find happiness is in my life personally, is, especially these days, is living living a balanced life. And that that can mean a lot of different things when it comes to balancing my thoughts with my emotions and finding a place where I can feel happy rather than think too much, or sometimes I have to use my mind, Use uh, doing a lot of research and studying, as you mentioned, I, I'm really inter- interested in ancient civilizations and lost cultures and stuff like that. So doing a lot of reading and deep diving down the rabbit hole of history brings me happiness. And 
And uh, I think mm. to bring it into the, uh, the real world today is uh, my dogs. My, I, love, I love my little dogs. They bring a very uh, big sense of happiness to my life. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? I have a Papillon Minpin Chihuahua mix, and um, oh. they're really, yeah, they're so cute. My I original, my first dog, her name was Isabel. She passed away last year, and uh, but hmm. she had a litter of puppies that uh, we, my parents and I kept. So now I have mm-hmm. her children, and uh, my dog, his name is Thor, and he's. You know, like I said, a little Papillon <laughs> Minpin guy, but he's got the bark of the bark of the gods as it is. So uh, yeah. yeah, they're adorable. <laughs> okay, so how many puppies did you keep? We kept them all. There were three. We kept them all. Originally, the intention was okay. I was just going to keep one. I was just going to keep one, and then my parents were going to. Uh, probably give the other two away, but when Isabel gave birth, she had a nutrient deficiency issue and ended up, she wasn't able to nurse the puppies herself all the time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my parents and I had to manually feed each puppy, newborn puppy with a little syringe of formula. So that after that Mm -hmm. bonding experience, there was no way we could give them away. So they've been with us now. Uh, actually, for 12 years. It's coming up on their 12th birthday now. Wow. You know, I'm so interested in what you said about, well, what you told me about and that we put in the introduction, which is the concept of that you felt at a very early age that reality and life itself has a behind-the-scenes world. I, I have an idea of what you're talking about, but I would love to hear what you are talking about, I mean, what that means. And also, could you mention is happiness is in that behind the scenes anywhere whatsoever? Yeah. So, well, this kind of comes back to a story from when I was very young. Uh, I was very emotional at one point. I I remember sitting in my bedroom. I must have been under 10 years old, something like that. And I remember crying, getting really emotional about something. And I had what I could only describe as a brief out-of-body experience. And I've never really had Mm. anything like that since. But what happened was as I was crying and really deep into my physical body at that moment and feeling the emotions, I felt like I could all of a sudden see above myself, maybe not see, but sense a presence of myself above myself looking at myself versus this detachment observing myself mm-hmm. crying. And in that moment, all of a sudden, tears stopped. The, the, the gravity and of weight of the emotions just disappeared instantly. And I remember being a little kid, kind of honestly a little confused at the time with the experience and, and a little frustrated because I remember thinking to myself, like, I want to be feel I'm, I want to be feeling this emotion, but now I don't see a reason to, and, and, and I didn't realize until way later how that would influence my thinking about the nature of reality, mm-hmm. about the nature that there is so much more to our lives and our, our physicality and our experience than we can actually perceive. But the next part of that story that really leads to what you mentioned about seeing this behind-the-scenes reality, it wasn't too long after mm-hmm. that uh, when I was younger – my or a little bit older after that when I was a young child, basically, my parents showed me uh, a video of Michael Jackson's thriller music video. 
And at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. when they showed it to me, my parents sat me down and said, Alex, this is this might be a little scary. This might be, you know, it's going to be fun. There's music. I liked Michael Jackson at the time. And they said, this might be a little mm-hmm. scary, but just watch through it. And I remember watching the whole thing. I don't know if you you might have seen this uh, amazing music yeah, video yeah. from back in the 80s. The choreography was incredible and the makeup effects. And I remember being really scared because it was the the mm-hmm. horrifying werewolf effects and all that. I got really uh, scared. My parents were like, no, 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 just keep watching, just keep watching, wait till the end. And they, they kind of like, uh, for, not forced me, but encouraged me to just be patient and just try to sit through it. And then what happened was at the very end of this music video, there was a feature documentary of the behind the scenes and the making of the music video for Thriller. And that oh, moment mm-hmm. right there is what totally changed my life forever. Uh, it, because I saw that for one thing, it was all make-believe. And, as, and the other thing right. was that it inspired me to realize about movies, like, wow, the imagination that's involved with creating something that seems real and is so engaging it totally is a, just an, an an act of creation, an act of art. You see the cameras and the art department and the directors. Watching the director, John Landis, just act like a kid, d- pretending, you know, mm-hmm. getting Michael Jackson all amped up to play the role, that set me on a course to really come to where I am today, go to film school and all that, to learn how to make movies. And I actually, uh, mm-hmm. I think the final part in the three-act structure of this story here beginning, middle, and end. The final part of it, when I was in film school many years later, uh, I had to make a thesis film, our graduating project for college, Mm -hmm. and I majored in directing for cinema and television. So the film that I made was a short story called Hidden, which was very much inspired Mm by the the movie The Truman Show with Jim Carrey and The Matrix with, uh, you know, the whole idea of unplugging from reality. But the whole premise, the premise of the movie is about an actor, you know, you're watching a movie about a character and they're on an on a desert island and they're running away from pirates and all of this classic, you know, silly movie stuff happening. But then the, the, the actor, our main character, sits down on the sand in the beach and finds a copy of the script for the scene of the movie that he's in at that very moment. He starts reading the script. And then he and then and then what he does, he he looks up and does what's called breaking the fourth wall. In cinema terms, that means when the the main character yes. or the actor actually looks into the camera and addresses the audience. So breaking the fourth wall, interestingly, as much as that's a cinematic term, has some interesting relevance to the idea of of dimensions in time, you know, there's the idea of three-dimensional reality and the fourth dimension of time and even five, six D uh, perceptions. It's third-dimensional new age kind of thinking. But the whole idea mm-hmm. was breaking free of the illusion of the movie and you're in the movie and the premise of the movie was all about, well, if you could recognize that there was a behind the scenes reality to life and you could recognize that there was a script and that just like any movie, you have the writers, but then you've got the studio and the producers influencing the writers. It takes more than just one person to make a movie. It's, a tr- it's truly a collaborative art form. But you can see sometimes how in Hollywood you get great creative writers who then get stifled mm-hmm. by the studio executives and all about the business and the money. So depending on the balance of that, it can affect the whole outcome of the movie. So that was the premise of the movie, which was the realization of that thing I learned when I was a little kid, which that, you know, there's, there's a, 
there's more than meets the eye to this world. And if we could just understand or learn or discover what are those hidden factors that we can change our lives? How can we rewrite the script of our lives, so to speak? That's really what it all comes down to. And I think uh, it has a lot of spiritual implications in itself. Join Sandra M. at her live performance of the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow, a toast to love and happiness in life. It's an uninhibited musical adventure, Sunday, February 4, 3 p.m. at the Santa Fe Women's Club. Our next adventure is guaranteed to awaken your happiness vibe. Celebrate with upbeat rhythms, love songs, special guests, and fun stories, some told by you in the audience. Enjoy Todd Lowry, Sandra's musical guest and accompanist, singing his happy and hopeful originals. To celebrate happiness with Sandra M. and the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow, email sandra at sandramcknight.com. Stay tuned for ticket information and save that date, Sunday, February 4, 3 p.m., to celebrate happiness with Sandra M. like wow I've got so many questions so the first thing is if we can just create our own script you have to want to create your own script right you have to have that realization and then you have to create your script and I'm just wondering how about the idea because I do a show obviously it's called the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow podcast and I also do a live show and I talk about the fact that you need to choose to write the script of happiness for yourself you know, it's a choice, right? And then they also talk about the fact that it's my personal belief that we are actually born happy. I, I know that there are some people who are born with really severe issues and so forth. I understand that. But most of us come out of the womb pretty open, innocent, alive. But now maybe you have another idea or another take on that. So give me your thoughts. I, I love that insight. It, I truly agree with what you say here, the idea that we are born happy, we're born innocent, we're born pure, and we're born completely receptive to the world. There's a, of course, there's programming or uh, conditions within the womb due to the mother and the father. There's the, there's the genes and whatnot from the hereditary factors, but there's also the the environmental factors. This is what a lot of my uncle's work is about with epigenetics. But yeah, you come into this body, you come into this world with kind of um, a paint set. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have more paints or sometimes you have less paint. Sometimes the paints are not as good quality as other paints. But nevertheless, you come into this world with a paint set and a blank canvas. And that to me represents what the idea is. We're, we're born inherently happy. We're born with the with the absolute potential for happiness. And then over time, depending on our life experiences, the, the script will start to unfold. And just like with the way a movie is written, you know, the writer can write a script, but depending on the different influences, multiple writers, rewrites, producers, all sorts of things that can affect the way the script is, it can change our world from being inherently born happy and pure into one that's like more burdened by all this other stuff so yeah happiness absolutely is a choice and i think the real 
thing to recognize. It's not necessarily about just writing the script. It's about recognizing that there is a script and that you can change the script. The script is not written in stone. The script is written in mm. energy. And if we can understand how to just change the way we inter uh, interact with that script, interact with the energy differently, we can totally change it. Another great movie reference here, I think, is uh, the, uh, the movie The NeverEnding Story. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's I don't from, know uh, that movie. Tell us really about that, great The NeverEnding Story. Yeah, mm -hmm. The NeverEnding Story, it's one of my favorite movies from back in the 1980s. It's a fantasy film about this this boy okay. who's just he's kind of bullied in school, but he loves reading books, and he ends up getting this very special book from the library, this mystical guy gives him. He's like, oh, you want to read a good book? Here, read this one. And as he starts reading the story, it's this magical thing unfolds. But without giving too many spoiler alerts here, you find out that this book is literally writing – itself as the person is reading it. So depending on who's reading the book, the story will be different yes, for yes. whoever's reading it and how they're experiencing it. So the idea of a never-ending story is similar to what I see as this idea you brought up is that happiness is a choice. It's like, okay, well, we can choose how the story unfolds. There are a lot of things that are very uh, purposefully so outside of our realm of influence or sphere of influence, but then there is something very important within our sphere of influence. And it's the choices that we make, these little balance, these little, these little moments of where, of how we react to the world. And if we react and see beauty and love, uh, the world will start mm -hmm. to manifest that. So yeah, it's the, the choice is absolutely a real thing. And, and, and it's more, more now than ever, we need to be choosing happiness. I, I really believe that. I just wanted to mention, because you said very quickly about your uncle, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and for the people who are listening, that would you like to say just a few moments, a few words about who he is they might not know? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, my uncle, I call him Uncle Bruce, and I've been sharing this idea calling him Uncle Bruce, but he, Uncle Dr. Bruce Lipton, he's a PhD in cell biology, and he has done pioneering research since the late 1960s into this field that we now know as epigenetics. Epigenetics is this subdivision of genetics that focuses on how the environment, and more specifically our perception of the environment as biological beings, can totally influence mm -hmm. the readout and expression of our genes. So the old idea is that genes control our lives. Whatever you have running in the family, cancer, disease, behavioral issues, even uh, physical traits. I'm sorry, you said that was, excuse me, excuse me, you said that's the old idea, right? The genes control. Correct. Yeah, that's the old idea. The old okay, idea is that genes make... control mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, and the new, mm -hmm. the new science, which is what my uncle uh, uh, research, his research showed, it shows that it's actually not the genes that control us. It's our perception of the environment. This is the influence of how the environment can affect the genes, epigenetics. My uncle wrote a book, a best-selling book back in the early 2000s called The Biology of Belief, and you can check that out. It's uh, a really uh, easy book to read, but it's, it puts things very simply. There's a, a principle in science called Occam's Razor that the simplest explanation usually is the most correct one. And when it comes to quantum physics and biology and molecular physiology, all that stuff, it can be a lot of information and data that you have to get spend all this time researching. But biology belief, Uncle Bruce puts this science together in a way that any person can really understand the nature of what this is all about. And that is 
that you are powerful. You are a creator or a co-creator of this world. You're not a victim. You are an active participant, and how you participate in this world, i.e., do you choose happiness or do you choose fear? Depending on how you operate in the world, that will affect not only your world and your life, your health and your wellness as well. So Uncle Bruce's work. You can check out his website at brucelipton.com and find a lot more information about that. Thank you for clarifying that, Alex. But what I want to get back to now is the whole concept, because you're really into the story, right? The film is a reflection of the story that's created in the film. And then this whole idea of the never-ending story, which I just love that the person who's actually listening or watching it creates part of it. Each person sees it differently. So, you know, at one time I was working with a psychiatrist, and he told me about the concept of existentialism. And I said, what is that? And he said, oh, you can create your own life. Really? I, the thought had never come to my mind. You know, this I was very... Well, I wasn't horribly young. I was in my early 20s, but still, I you know, I never ever thought about it. And I think this is another concept that we can create our own life. We can create our own story. And so why do you think that people are not aware of this? Because you told me, that, or you had mentioned in your intro that you sent me that you are very, very interested in the ancient civilizations in the lost worlds. Did they understand more than we do that they can create their own life, create their own happiness, their own stories? Absolutely. That's a, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but we'll do our best to try to make this okay. as concise and, and synthesized and, and to the point as we can here. The idea, the question of why is it that we're dealing with this world in the way it is today and how come we maybe don't realize this truth? How come a lot of people are struggling to recognize this or even whether or not they're struggling, don't even recognize it at all? The, that is very much in line with this, this dive into history. If you go back and try to or, understand the origins of our situation, like where does this all go back? Like Hansel and Gretel in the magical forest, retracing our footsteps and following the trail of breadcrumbs so we can go back home. Well, where is back home and how do we get there? Uh, I think that the lost civilizations have a lot to say about this because there was a time a long time ago that is so distant that we don't have much evidence for it. There is starting to become more and more as we move forward and, and discover things, uh, ancient sites and whatnot, and, uh, is that the world was in harmony. We were living in harmony with nature at some point, and then there was a cataclysm. There was some sort of traumatic event that happened on Earth or a series of traumatic events. And just to give a little fact about this in, in a geological sense, that the, about 10,000 years ago, the Ice Age abruptly ended. And we're talking about mm -hmm. massive two-mile-thick ice sheets on top of North America and the European continent that melted rapidly. So when we look in any traditional history textbook, you'll see a, a, a little depiction of what the Earth looked like during the Ice Age. But funny, even they put these ice caps on the continent, you never really see the sea levels lower. We have to remember the sea levels were about 400 feet lower than they are today. So 
The thing is, within a relatively short amount of time, we're talking within a couple thousand years, which is really nothing in terms of geological time, all of this ice melted mm -hmm. and there was massive amounts of flooding and destruction and mass migrations and and a loss of, of memory of this experience. And the best way uh, to describe this was uh, there was a great writer, his name is Graham Hancock. He wrote this very famous book called Fingerprints of the Gods and Other Works. But he refers to humanity as a species with amnesia. Think of it as somebody mm. getting a you know, so think of it as somebody who gets a traumatic brain injury. You're, there's a, okay, here's another good movie reference, an older film mm -hmm. from the 90s with Harrison Ford called Regarding Henry. And regard, Regarding Henry is a story about this cutthroat lawyer who's not a really good family man, and he's having an affair, and he's living a, a very uh, destructive life, ends up getting a traumatic brain injury and loses all memory of his identity. He still has his cognitive functions, but it's almost like he's reset back to the the mindset of a child. And it's a really interesting story that relates to this idea of who we are as humanity and what happened to us a long time ago. It's as if humanity itself was struck with some sort of traumatic brain injury, whether it was asteroid impacts or great flood catastrophes, disconnection from community the, the descent into illiteracy, all sorts of factors that literally made us forget who we are and where we came from. So we've, we've been having to make stuff up ever since. So our whole story of civilization, as in any history textbook would say, it began around 4,500 years ago. People just kind of started making things, and we start off really dumb and primitive, and then we, then we get really smart and advanced. And here we are in the modern age. We look back to the past and right. say, oh, well, we knew better than they did. But when you uh -huh. start to look deeply into this lost civilization stuff, you start to go into like what you had suggested before, this idea that maybe we were living in harmony, maybe we were living in a state of happiness, just like we said earlier. When people are born, they're mm -hmm. born inherently full of joy and receptive to the world or with that blank canvas. But the thing is, we we the whole canvas has been obscured by centuries, thousands of years, millennia of forgetfulness, of programming, of fear, of distrust, of of disconnection. Really, this, this idea of this uh, feeling of being separate from nature, being separate from each other, being separate from the environment. It's called an illusion of separation in a lot of um, uh, psychological settings, and even. I would go as far as to say that what we're suffering under right now in terms of humanity is something called the delusion of separation disorder. We invite you and yours to an intimate 14-day happiness journey to Bhutan, the lost kingdom of happiness, coming in May of 2024. Experience the magnificent beauty, magic, and mystery of this ancient culture that calculates the gross national happiness of its people. Happiness, Bhutan style, is an adventure of a lifetime. Go to BhutanLostKingdomTours.com and click on Special Tour Packages to download your itinerary for Being in Love with Life, a happiness journey to Bhutan with Miss Sandra McKnight. And remember, celebrate happiness with Sandra M.
And wow. that, I think, leads to the final part of your question is that, well, why aren't we experiencing this happiness on a mass scale? Why can't some people or a lot of people remember or engage in this? Well, we simply forgot and we believe that we're separate and it's, it's all from programming that's accumulated over thousands and thousands of years. And now we're starting to see the rewriting of the story. We're starting to go back and realize, hey, let's, let's put all the puzzle pieces back together and see maybe there's something we missed. <laughs> Right. And I would love, you know, I just really do feel, because you mentioned in the very beginning of our conversation that when you need to feel happy, you know, you dive into the past, as you said, into these uh, deep uh, history and uh, lost worlds, etc. And you, d- you want to balance your life, especially with what's going on right now, which is just Absolutely. And I think you said the delusion, not the illusion, right? The delusion of separateness, which means absolute chaos, correct? So, but then you went further and you said, I need to feel happy. And I have a feeling that if people could feel in their hearts, you know, my my logo is called the happy heart, right? If they could feel in their hearts, a happiness for themselves. We're not even talking about the world and other people and so forth, but just feel that in their heart. They would automatically, their brain and their heart would become aligned and they would become more connected to themselves and then they can go out to connect in the world. What do you think about that? I I love that. I think, again, focusing on the the feeling of happiness rather than the thought of happiness. And again, think about mm-hmm. it like this, 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 even these ideas being separate from each other is uh, a, a relic of this idea of the delusion of separation. They are not thoughts and feelings are not really separate from each other, but if we're going to go down the play these game by this rules, if we're going to prioritize one over the other, which one is more focused on the feeling of happiness mm-hmm. rather than the thought of happiness is better because Feelings are a binary system of yes and no. Of course, there's a variety of feelings, just like there's a variety of paint colors. You know, there's the primary colors. You start off very simple, and then you start to mix them, and then you get different shades and different colors, complementary colors. This is like emotion. So there's tons of emotions. But you can break down mm-hmm. the emotions and the feelings down into very two, very two simple things. Does this feel good? Or does this feel bad? Am I feeling happy or am I feeling sad? Those are two opposites of each other that from that, within that, there's a spectrum of all sorts of stuff. But what's great about understanding the feeling of happiness and getting into the feeling, it's a very clear answer. We're living in a world where we are so lost and we're so confused and feeling separate and trying to find answers. We're born like we don't know. We can't, by definition, change the past and we can't the future. So we're kind of locked into this present moment. And in my talk, sometimes I call this the prison moment where we're locked into this sensation <laughs> where we can't change the past and can't move into the future. Like, so we're just kind of making stuff up and go, doing the best we can. The irony is, is that prison door in like a prison cell is not actually locked. We just believe that we're locked in there. If we just pushed it open, we'd realize that we are free if we choose it to be. So if we choose happiness, we can experience it very easily. And the thing is, with a feeling, if you have a question and we're confused, okay, well, what's the answer to this question? What should I do in this situation? 
if you get into your heart and ask, how do I feel about this, your heart or your feelings, your feelings will say yes or no. Does this feel good or does this feel bad? And there's your answer. It's the mind, the thoughts that can – it's really a, a wonderful engine of, of creativity and possibility, the mind and our thoughts. It's fractal. There's infinite numbers of ways to conceive and perceive of, of a situation. So if we think about what we should do and how to like, what should I do in my mind? Okay, well that could be that could be anything, and it can be very confusing. And in fact, the mind is programmable. So a lot of the things that we think we should or should not do, given on a situation, those may not even be the things mm-hmm. that we want to do. Those might have been conditioned into us way long ago that we have just behind, like behind mm-hmm. the eye of the eight ball here. We don't know. But the heart, the heart is a very clear answer. The way we feel about a situation is the answer. So, and if you look at the human body too, the heart representing, you know, the the center of your body, the sum of all your feelings in the uh, mystical traditions that include the uh, chakra system, these energy vortices that rise from the base of the spine all the way up to the top of your head, the heart, your source of all feelings is the center point the fourth chakra right in the middle of all of them. It's the place that bridges the gap between the physical world of our earth and the land that we walk on and our, and our deepest unconscious feelings, and then the mind and our mm-hmm. higher spiritual purpose as above us. So the heart is the center focal point that brings everything together. It's the place that if we choose, instead of choosing one way or the other, we should be focusing. We should be focusing and that will allow us to bridge the gap. It's, in my opinion, it's not a choice between thoughts or feelings. It's about recognizing the prioritization. First, we get into our heart. First, we go to the center place, and we understand what brings us joy, what brings us happiness. If you ask anybody on the planet a very simple, plan, a very simple question right now, sure, there's going to be some exceptions, but if you ask anybody, would you rather be happy or would you rather be sad? People are going to most hundred, almost nearly 100% are people are going to say, well, I'd rather be happy. Well, there you go. There's your right. answer. Have, and that, uh, so that comes back to what you were saying is that we are born happy. That's our natural state. Joy is the purpose of life. And the question is, okay, well, why can't, why are you happy? Well, no. Why? And then, then you start going down right. the annals of history and all that stuff. So, yeah, feelings are the ultimate gauge on how we should live our lives and oftentimes we we're just too caught up in our heads way overthinking things not recognizing the truth that's within oh alex this has been a wonderful wonderful time together i want to end i mean i just love everything you've said i could ask many questions i could talk for a long time but it was come to the end of our podcast, but I would like to just say, is there anything you'd like to say just to wrap everything up? Any thoughts you have in the back of your mind that you haven't said? Well, well, first of all, Sandra, I just want to thank you for having me on your show. And I really so truly appreciate our connection and relationship in terms of sharing knowledge and and just in, engaging on this this journey together. So thank you for having me on your show. And and I, I would like to leave uh with this with this feeling, with this thought, with this uh direction that the number one thing right now, the most important thing that we should be doing as a human 
species, that the human race is recognizing wholeness, recognizing unity. And the way to do that is not about choosing sides. It's not about which side is right and which side is wrong. The, the, the last thing I'll leave mm. us with is that is there a right, is there a correct side and a wrong side to a battery? You look at a battery, there are two sides to a battery. There's a positive pole and a negative pole, or even a magnet. Which side is the good side and which side is the bad side of a magnet? There is no good side or bad side to a magnet. They are both absolutely uh-huh. necessary in order for the magnet to work. And it's not even really about the magnet. It's about the field. It's about the magnetic field that is revealed by the battery. So I would just like to leave uh, uh, with the feeling of recognizing that wholeness, unity, and balance is the most important thing we need to experience right now. And guess what? We don't have to create it in the world outside. We just have to recognize it already exists. It exists within our lives. If you're alive, breathing right now, you are a perfect whole being you are living example of balance and unity and all we need to do is to change our perception and recognize that and i'll tell you that is a lot easier than trying to change the world or change other people or change yourself recognize you are enlightened enough as it is and i think that what that results in is reducing stress feeling happiness and joy that it's okay and acceptance of that is really important. And from that point, when we reprioritize our, our understanding of energy, then we can start to play, then we can start to have fun and the stress goes away. So thank you so much, Sandra, for having me on your show. (laughs) Thank you, Alex. Thank you. This is a weekly key to happiness number 13. Plan your week to overcome feeling overwhelmed by all you have to do. Try making a prioritized basic list for the upcoming week. Blocking out time to do laundry, go grocery shopping, or tackle projects at home or work can help to quiet your mind. tuning in to celebrate happiness with us. And before we go, I'd like to thank today's guest, Alex Lipton, for sharing his marvelous happiness story. To share your happiness story on the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow podcast, send an email to Sandra at SandraMcKnight.com. Find that love is all around